following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. So we are in this series at the moment, a very short series, just through the month of November, uh, looking at a few different psalms. We talked last week about how often we kind of see the Psalms as a bit of the fluffy stuff, but um, how this is some of the richest and deepest theology and teaching that we get in the Bible is in the book of Psalms. This picture of who God is, who he was to Israel, and who he is to us. And what I want to try and do over just a few weeks is give you a bit of a perspective of how diverse this book of the Bible is, just the range of different Psalms. So last week, we looked at Psalm 113. And it was a psalm of praise. So this great exalted psalm giving praise to God. And this week, I thought we would do the exact opposite. (laughs) So we're going from the heights to the depths. All right, we're going from great praise and hallelujah into misery and woe and doom and despair. Welcome to church. Yeah, buckle up. It's going to be a good ride this morning. It's going to get depressing. Yeah, if you weren't depressed when you walked in the door, I promise you, you will be as you leave here today. (laughs) Yep. No, it's not going to be that bad. All right, I'll try. I'll try and lift us up. Let the Lord lift us up. Uh, But we are going to look at Psalm 13 this morning, 1-3. And I think Michelle is going to come read this for us. Are you there, Michelle? There we go. Thank you very much. Come read the Psalm for us. There you go. Thank you. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Thanks, Michelle. All right, you feeling miserable yet? All right, we've got a wee way to go. I thought um, because, because it is quite heavy this morning, the psalm is quite heavy, I thought we would at least try to start with something a little bit lighter. Does that sound all right? So um, you might have heard of a company called Despair.com, <laughs> or, or not. Um, and basically, they make these demotivational posters, right? So you know those motivation posters that were kind of really popular a few years ago, like inspiration, you have them on the wall. So this is the opposite. These are posters designed to demotivate you, okay? So I'll just show you some of my favorites here. Here we go. So this is one on tasks. By doing just a little bit every day, you can gradually let the job completely overwhelm you. All right, next one. Ambition. The journey of a thousand miles sometimes ends very, very badly. (laughs) Next one. Failure is not an option. It's your destiny. (laughs) And here's my favorite one. Downsizing. Because we're all in this together, but there's always room for one less. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Despair.com. Go and check it out after the service. There's something for everybody in that store. 
All right, so I could imagine maybe uh, King David, who wrote this psalm, having one of those posters, maybe, on his office wall. I think maybe he had a sense of humor. Sometimes the best thing you can do is laugh about these things, isn't it? When you're going through stuff, just have a bit of a laugh. But this is a psalm written by David, and you can, you can sort of tell, obviously, from this psalm that David had some great successes in his life, like amazing military victories, uh, but clearly he had some downtimes. Clearly, he had some pretty low times as well. This is one of David's psalms. This is one of the psalms that that he writes, the great king of Israel, and he's writing this really depressing, miserable psalm. And this psalm falls into a genre of psalms called lament. That's what we're talking about today, lament psalms. And a lament is really just crying out from the depth of your soul when you're in pain, you're struggling, you're suffering, You're not in a good place. It's a place of grief and loss and brokenness. And lament is just pouring that out. It's just pouring that out in this kind of torrent of sometimes rage, sometimes confusion, sometimes anger or misery or depression or anxiety or whatever it is. Maybe because something's happening externally, maybe because of what's going on internally in your heart and your mind, but just pouring that out in this unrestricted way toward God. That's what lament is. Now, what's amazing is when you look in the book of Psalms, this is not the only lament psalm. There is about 70% of the book of Psalms made up of lament psalms. So just think about that. The book of Psalms, 70% of that book is in one way or other, there's all different types of lament, but one way or other, lamenting. So we kind of think of the Psalms as all the hallelujah and the praise, all the good feelings and all God's amazing. But 70% of this book is the pain, the anguish, the grief, the cry of the soul. And it tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you something about the human condition, that it's not always happy times, good times, great feelings, but a lot of life is the pain and the struggle. And even when one part of life is going reasonably well, there's often some other area that's, that's stressful or it's a struggle or it's difficult. And these psalms of lament, they give us language, they give us words to say in the midst of really difficult times. They help us to process some of the pain and the darkness that we feel on the inside, and most importantly, they give us words to say to God, and they help us to find God in the midst of those times in life that are full of stress and struggle or anger and pain and frustration. So that's what I want to lead us into today, this time of reflecting and thinking about where is God in the midst of our struggle and our pain, and how to lament Psalms, give us some language to relate to God in the middle of that space. So have a closer look here at what David says. These first uh, four lines of the Psalms, the first two verses, they, they repeat this refrain, how long, O Lord? How long? And David's just crying out to God. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? So, so David's feeling like God's just forgotten about him. Um, you feel that way sometimes? Some of you? Yeah, we go through this experience, right? We just feel like God's forgotten us. We just feel like I'm going through this stuff here, God. I'm going through a really difficult time. This is really, really hard. I just feel like I, I, can't, I don't know where your presence is. I can't feel God. I can't see God. I don't feel his presence. Like we, This is a common experience. And David had this experience. And underneath this language, there's some language which is covenantal language. Because in the Old Testament, God is the God who remembers his people. 
And God says, I will remember you, and I will remember my love to a thousand generations. So God remembers. He pledges himself to his people. So by David saying, God, how long are you going to forget me? It's, it's like he's saying, God, have you, have you given up on the covenant? Have you given up on your promises? God, you said you'd remember. You bound yourself to us, but now it just feels like you're forgetting. So this is a pretty bold accusation, just subtly implying, God, are you, are you not being faithful to me in this situation? And then he goes on and says, how long will you hide your face from me? So, you know, at Shaw, when we, um, when we dedicate children, we use, I usually pray that prayer from the book of Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you. You know, some of you familiar with that prayer. So that's, that's from the book of Numbers. That is the, the blessing and the favor of God. That, that's what it means for God's face to be towards us is that his favor is on us and his presence is with us. So what's David saying when he says, God, what, you've hidden your face? He's basically saying, God, I feel like you've removed your blessing. I feel like you've removed your presence. I feel like you've removed your favor from me. David's basically saying, God, I feel like I'm just looking at the back of your head. Do you feel that sometimes? Like you're praying to God and you're just looking at the back of his head. You're trying to connect with him. God, please help me. I'm struggling here. This is really hard, but I just feel like I'm looking at the back of your head. God, why, turn your face towards me. I need to know that you see me, God. I need to know that you, you, you care, but I just feel like I'm talking to the back of your head. Sometimes, like, we've just got to be honest about this stuff, right? This is sometimes how we feel about our relationship with God. Like, he's just, he's, he's distant and his face is turned away. David felt like that. This is the king of Israel. And he's saying, man, I'm, I'm praying to God. and I'm just feeling like I'm talking to the back of his head. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? We don't like this kind of prayer. But David, it gets worse. Now it gets really awkward. David says in verse 2, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Do you know what that sounds like? Depression. Doesn't it? That sounds like a definition of depression to me. I think quite probably King David struggled with depression. How do we feel about that? This is going to be difficult this morning, but I want to push you because I want us to kind of wrestle with these gritty realities in the Bible. Like King David is saying, I'm wrestling with my thoughts. I've just got this every day. I've just got this deep sorrow in my heart. Sometimes that's what depression feels like. Not always. Sometimes depression is just feeling nothing, isn't it? Sometimes depression is just like all the color goes out of the world and you feel emotionally numb. Not always. We, we sometimes think depression is just people being really sad. Sometimes it's just people being emotionally unable to connect with anything, good or bad. But how do you feel about the fact that King David struggled with depression? I, in some ways, I find it strangely comforting. Because I think if David, the great king of Israel, struggled with depression, isn't it okay for us to struggle with depression? Like, why do we need to see that as a sign of a weak faith? Why do we need to see that as a sign of, of sort of a weak Christian? It's not. It's part of the human experience. Man, we could talk about Martin Luther struggled with depression. Charles Spurgeon struggled with depression. Many great Christians through history have struggled with depression. It is not the sign of a weak faith. It is part of the brokenness of the world and the human experience. And David struggled with this. And not only did he struggle with it, look, he talked about it. He wrote about it. I mean, what's he doing? He's publishing this stuff. You know, he's putting it out there. He probably didn't know we'd be reading it, but here it is. 
And he was open about that struggle. How long am I going to wrestle with my own mental and emotional health? And then he says, last line, how long will my enemy triumph over me? So clearly David's not, it's not going well in battle either. And, and again, like that's, if the king does nothing else, isn't he supposed to protect his country and win battles so that he looks after his people and his land? And that's not even happening. So we don't know exactly what battle's going on here. Maybe something against the Philistines, but David's saying, oh, that's not going well on the battlefield. Maybe he's losing men. Maybe he's losing land, losing territory, but he is not doing well. And that's his job is to win victory and defend Israel. And his job's not working. And sometimes we feel like that, don't we? It's like the one thing I'm supposed to be good at, God. I don't feel like I'm doing well at all. It's the kind of the thing that everyone's looking at me to do okay, and I just feel like I'm tanking in this. You feel like that sometimes? Anyone relate to any of this this morning? It's because this is the human experience. Like this is, sure, this is King David thousands of years ago, but this is also us today. Like this is our reality. So when you add all that up, I mean, you'd have to say it's not a great day for David, is it? This is not a good day in the office for David. Multiple layers of problems going on here. He's struggling in his relationship with God. He's struggling with his mental health and he's struggling in his job to defend his own people. That's often, those are the hardest times in life when there's this multi-layered stress or multi-layered anxiety, depression, whatever it is. I mean, we can deal with one thing, but then something else comes along and then something else, the compounding effect of these things that can really just pull us down. And this is, we've got to be comfortable in this space because this is the nature of lament. This is the diversity of the Psalms. And honestly, this is one of the things I love about the book of Psalms. It's not all this nicely sanitized language where everything's just slick and tidy and nicely arranged. It got a ribbon around it and it's all just happy, happy, joy, joy. It's not. It's, the Psalms are really gritty. They're really earthy. And often like this one, they're really raw. Let me read you um, a translation of these words from Eugene Peterson. So he wrote the message translation of the Bible. He's one of my favorite authors. He translates these verses these way, these, this way. Long enough, God. You've ignored me long enough. I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough I've carried this ton of trouble, lived with a stomach full of pain, Long enough, my arrogant enemies have looked down their noses at me. Maybe that resonates with you. He's captured it. So I think for some reason, as Christians, we just don't tend to be that comfortable with lament. We're just not that good at it. I don't know. Maybe we're, what are we, embarrassed about it? Maybe we feel like if we kind of really talk this way, or if we were this honest, or if we really prayed this way, it would be a bit embarrassing, or maybe we'd embarrass God. Maybe we worry about that. Like it would kind of make God look like he's not that powerful because he's not intervening and helping us. Um, or maybe we just feel weird talking about this around each other. And so we kind of keep on putting on this plastic face sometimes, don't we? You know, like when, especially when we're together, we just keep on having this kind of projected image of the nice, tidy Christian who's just generally got things all together. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. You know, we kind of come to church and doesn't matter what's been going on. Could have had a rubbish morning up to that point, but you come in, you put the happy church face on. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Great to see you. And we just still want to kind of have the face, you know. But the Bible is not interested in that. The Bible doesn't seem to have the problem that we do with lament. The Psalms certainly don't. 
And I mean, even more broadly, like there's a whole book in our Bible called Lamentations. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about what kind of faith we've got here. Who put that book in the Bible? Man, I mean, you know, imagine God, like, yeah, let's put Lamentations, a whole book of misery and woe. Don't read it if you're already depressed. Right, it's, not, it's not a pick-me-up, although right in the middle of that book are those words that we read this morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's like the ray of light in the middle of the darkness of lamentations. But it's a pretty miserable read. You've got lamentations there. You've got Job. He was a pretty miserable character. You've got Jeremiah. He was a bit of a whiner. You've just got lament right through the Bible. And then you come to the New Testament, and Jesus knew how to lament, didn't he? He laments over Jerusalem. He invokes the Psalms of lament. The book of Psalms was the book Jesus quoted for from most often. And he quotes the Psalms of lament. And on the cross, what does he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting from Psalm 22. That's a Psalm of lament. And when someone quotes a line from a Psalm like that, generally they are invoking the whole Psalm. So you could read Psalm 22. That was the experience of Jesus on the cross. He's putting himself in that place. He is lamenting. He's crying out to God. It's real and it's, it's raw. So if Jesus didn't have a problem with lament and David didn't have a problem with lament, maybe we don't need to have such a problem with it either. Maybe we can just learn to be a little bit more real about the highs and the lows in our life. Learn to take off the mask a little bit more with God. And with one another, right? So David then goes on and shows us a little of how to do this. Look at the next couple of verses. Here's the way that he prays. He kind of moves here from complaint to petition. He's petitioning God now. He's asking God for something. He says, look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. So this is really direct language. This is not kind of a fluffy, timid little prayer. David's saying, God, help. I need you to help. I need you to intervene. I need you to come through for me. That tends to be very different to the way that we pray. You know, we're in trouble. We go through difficult times. We tend to pray really timid prayers like, God, you know, if you could help me, that'd be great. But I understand if you don't want to, it's okay. But if you could just maybe be with me, that'd be good. But, you know, I understand, you know, you're busy and you're sovereign. You know, it was kind of these really held back, timid prayers. But David just shows us like, just pray. you can pray boldly. We can come into God's presence with confidence and we can pray, God, help. God, I need you. God, listen. God, hear. God, see, God, respond. Like David doesn't hold back. He invites us. This psalm invites us to cry out to God, to petition him, to seek him, and to ask him to get involved in the things in our lives that are not going well. I want to read you the words of another song. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a worship song, but um, it's a song by you too. And they wrote a song called Wake Up Dead Man. As far as I know, it's the only song they wrote that is directly addressed to God. And as far as I know, it's the only song that's got a swear word in it. So you can make what you want of that. But I want you to be uncomfortable this morning. I'm not going to say the swear word, don't worry. But uh, I'm going to read out a couple of verses of this. Another type of lament, okay? Jesus, I'm waiting here, boss. I know you're looking out for us but maybe your hands aren't free. 
your father. He made the world in seven. He's in charge of heaven. Will you put a word in for me? Jesus, were you just around the corner? Did you think to try and warn her? Or are you working on something new? If there's order in all of this disorder, is it like a tape recorder? Can we rewind it just once more? Wake up, wake up, dead man. Wake up, wake up, dead man. Now, I don't know, that might make you uncomfortable. You might feel like that's a little irreverent. I understand that, but I, I'm, I want you to be in a state of discomfort because I want you to feel the aching of lament. That song is talking about God like, like a dead man that needs to wake up like, like a sleeping giant and saying, God, wake up. We need you. We're relying on you. We're desperate, God. We need your intervention. I need your intervention. God, where are you? What are you doing? I need you to intervene. That's the spirit of lament. Now, I think there has been, in, in church worship music, I think there has been a bit of a shift in this, in the last couple of decades. It used to be that you heard a lot of people say, church music, you know, it's all really happy, happy stuff. And it's always just the good times, it's always just the good feelings, and it doesn't really reflect all of uh, what we go through. And that's, I think that's still true to some extent, but I think there has been a shift. I think if you look closely and some of the worship music that's been written over the last couple of decades, there is a bit of a turning point. Personally, I think there was a turning point around the time of the September 11 terrorist attacks in the US. And there was a guy uh, named Matt Redman, who was a worship leader, songwriter, and he was touring around the US after 9-11 and doing these worship concerts. And as he was leading worship, the, the, the atmosphere and the environment was just one of, one of grief. And people were just carrying so much and so much struggle. And he struggled to lead worship in that space because he didn't have the songs. He didn't have the songs to express that. Here's something he said around that time. As songwriters and lead worshipers, we had a few expressions of hope at our disposal. But when it came to expressions of pain and lament, we had very little vocabulary to give voice to our heart's cries. So that's interesting, isn't it? So that's the state of contemporary worship music in 2001. There just wasn't the songs there. And as, as a result of that, Matt Redman himself wrote a song called Blessed Be Your Name. And we sing that, and we're going to sing it at the end of the service. And there's a song that tries to capture some of the spirit of lament. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. When there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. When I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Like that's pretty raw. And the, and the bridge of that, that song, you know the bridge? You give and take away. I mean, man, Matt Redman says there was a woman who came up to him after one of their concerts and said, you can't say that. You can't say like to God, you give and take away. And he had to gently say, actually, that's in the Bible. That's, Job said that. Job said, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's right there. But doesn't that show you we're just not used to it? We're so unused to singing what the Bible itself says that this is like really jarring when it happens. But I, my take is that Matt Redman cracked the door open with that song and has created a space that other songwriters then stepped into. And now you do have some more songs that have parts of lament 
in them. Like uh, Brooke Fraser's desert song. This is my prayer in the desert, when all that's within me feels dry. This is my prayer in my hunger and need. My God is the God who provides. There's still that statement of God's provision, but you can hear that, the aching, like she's captured the aching of that song. And there are more and more songs that are doing this now, which is a good thing. And listen, I'm not saying that we should come to church every Sunday and just this whole service full of lament. Like that would just be depressing, right? Who wants to come to church if just everything is lament? But what I am saying is maybe our, the songs that we sing and the worship times that we have do need to reflect the book of Psalms. It, like the Psalms is a great model for our worship. And if you look at the Psalms, there is the diversity there. There is the thanksgiving to God. There is the praise. And there is the cry of the heart. There is the lament. And there is the aching of the soul and petitioning God in the midst of that. So that's okay. And we need all of that, don't we? That should be our Christian experience. That should be the nature of your own walk with God. That there are those times that you can say, blessed be the Lord. And there's other times you can say, how long, O oh Lord? How long is this going to go on? How long, God? Do you, I just feel like I'm talking to the back of your head. It's okay to say those words. In fact, I would say you have to be able to say those words if you want to have a faith for the valleys, not just a faith for the mountaintops. There's too many Christians only got a theology for the mountaintops of life. And we know how to get through the good times because it doesn't require much of us. And, we, and when we get to the valleys and the hard times and the sufferings, we've got nothing. That's because we have not learned to lament well. And we have not tapped into these deep, rich parts of Scripture that give us the words, and give us the, the concepts, and give us the ways of relating to God in the darkness. And when the darkness doesn't go away, we still can say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, Let's move to the final part of the psalm, and the tone does change here. You'll, you'll hear that, that noticeable change in the last couple of verses. David says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So you can hear the change there. That this has sort of come from misery and woe to trust and hope. And this is the distinctive of lamenting as Christians. It's interesting because you can look at other forms of lament. Other ancient cultures had their laments as well. So there's lament songs and lament poems in some other ancient cultures, but you don't find this. You don't find this part. You just find darkness and grief and misery. But the distinctive of lamenting in the Jewish and Christian traditions, is that there is this trajectory. There is this arc where it, a lot of the psalm is still anguish and pain and darkness. But then there is this movement where at the end, most of the time, not all of them, but most of those psalms of lament end with some statement of, I, I will trust. I'm, I will still hold on to you, God. I'm still going to stand with you, and I still believe that you are good in some ways. At the end of all of the grieving and the, and the anguish and the shaking the fist at God, the psalmist can still say, God, I know you're still good. And David says, I trust in your unfailing love. And that word unfailing love, that's the Hebrew word hesed, beautiful, really important Hebrew word. Uh, it means the, the faithful covenant love of God. Not, like, not love like the way we think about it not romantic feelings of love. This is God's faithfulness to his covenant to say, I will love you 
and my love will endure. It won't stop. It won't run out. It will, it will be upon you no matter what you face. And this, doesn't this connect back to what David prayed earlier? So at the beginning of the psalm, he's kind of questioning God's faithfulness, questioning whether God's maybe broken the covenant. And it's like at the end here, he kind of comes back to himself and says, no, I, I do trust. God, I know you are, you are faithful. Even when it doesn't seem like it, even in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, God, I know that you are still faithful. Your love is still upon me. And we can say that. We can say that with even greater confidence because all we need to do is look to the cross. And the cross is where we see the unfailing love of God. When things in your life are just taking a lot of strain and causing you a lot of stress and you're in a dark place, the place to look is back to the cross. That is where God has demonstrated his hesed, his unfailing love to you. The Bible says when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is how God demonstrates his love to us. That in our sin, Jesus took our place and God has bound himself to us. That's where God shows you how much he loves you, that he was willing to leave heaven and come to earth, that he was willing to reach down and rescue you and lift you up and bind you to himself. So now you can know whatever you're going through, however hard it is, however dark it gets, however long it takes, God is not going anywhere. He is right there with you in the midst of it. He's not just waiting for you at the end of it. We kind of focus on just you know, getting out of it and getting back to normal. But right in the middle of it, God is with you. He's there in the midst of all the storm that you are going through. He's there in the midst of the long-term stuff you've been carrying for a long, long time. He is there. And he says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He is the God who remembers. And no matter what grief, loss, anxiety and pain you are carrying, you can know that God is for you. He's not against you. And he is with you and he will not leave you. And his face is turned towards you, even when you feel like it's turned away from you, even when you feel like, God, I just I don't see anything, I don't feel anything. Even then, you know from the authority of Scripture and from what God has done on the cross that his face is still towards you and his love is still set upon you and his love is shed abroad in your heart. Sometimes you've just got to claim those things by faith because you don't feel them, but this is what we can know from Scripture, that God's unfailing love still sits upon us still sits over our families and our situations, even in the darkest and most hopeless of times. And David says, I will rejoice. I will rejoice in you. Seems strange in some ways that he can say, I will rejoice because he's just been pouring out all this misery. But it reminds us that joy is a different thing to happiness, doesn't it? That when David says, I can rejoice, it doesn't mean he's, saying, he's not saying I'm going to be happy. Like he's clearly not happy. But it's the same reason Paul could be sitting in a Roman jail cell and say, I will rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. I don't think Paul was particularly happy all the time, but joy is that deeper thing. Joy is deep in our soul being able to say, it is still well with my soul. Even when I don't feel it and my emotions are just all over the map, but it is still well with my soul because I know that I am anchored in the love of God. David says, I will sing the Lord's praise. That's interesting, like the same word we looked at last week, halal. So David uses the word praise in the midst of lament, which reminds you that praising and lamenting are not mutually exclusive. It's not like, well, either we're going to be in this praise space or lamenting. We can praise God in the middle of lamenting. 
Even when it's really hard, we can still say, God, I'm still going to say. I mean, this is what we'll sing at the end of the service. Even in the difficulties and the darkness, we can still say, blessed be your name. We can still say, the Lord is good. It's what David finishes the psalm with. He has been good to me. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, right? I know, sometimes you're going through stuff and you just don't feel like God is good at all. But in those times when you struggle to see the goodness of God around you, you can look back to the cross and you can say, I see there just how good God has been that in my sin and my utter brokenness, God has lifted me up and he's drawn me to himself and he's placed me in his family. That is how God has been good to me. So you might not see a lot of evidence of this in your situation right now. You might just see a lot of difficulty and a lot of things that are stressing you out right now. But you can still say, even in spite of all this, I know, God, you have been good to me. You've been good to me through the cross. You have saved me and you've set me in your family. And that's enough. So I want to encourage you to make this psalm your psalm. And even now, you, you think of the application. So you take those four words. How long, O Lord? And I want you to think now, how are you going to finish the rest of that sentence? You make it personal in your own mind right now. How long, O Lord, am I going to wrestle with this depression? What is it for you? How long, O Lord, am I going to have to carry this health issue? How long, O Lord, are we not going to be able to have kids? How long, O Lord, is this relationship just going to be so difficult, so painful? How long, O Lord, am I going to have to have these feelings of anxiety? How long? You fill it in for you. In your own mind right now, what's the end of that sentence? You know what David's was, but that's not yours. What's yours? How long, O Lord? You speak it to God. And then, when you've poured out your heart to him in that kind of honest way, not holding back, but just honest, then the psalm asks you a question, doesn't it? And says, after all of that, can you then say, but I trust. But I trust. In your unfailing love, God, because I know that you've been good to me. And I know that a day is coming when God is going to wipe every tear from every eye. I know that a day is coming when there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things will be passed away. All things will be made new. We know that day's coming, right? And we know that's going to be a day where there will be no more lamenting. No more need for lament then. It will just be pure joy. But until that day, we face brokenness and difficulty and stress and struggle in all sorts of areas of our lives. And we've got to learn to lament. We've got to learn to lament well. We've got to learn to be, I think, a little more honest about some of the tough stuff in our lives. Maybe a little bit more honest with God. You can do that without being irreverent without being disrespectful, but a little more honest from the heart with God and a little more honest with each other. Then we can let each other in a little bit more, take the mask down sometimes, yeah? Isn't that what a church community is supposed to be? And be a little bit more honest about some of the stuff that we're going through. And then through it all, 
we can be reminded, and we can remind each other. We need to be reminded by each other, even in this, even through it all. God's unfailing love is upon us. He has been good to us, and we can be at peace and content with that. Let's learn to lament well, people. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these types of psalms as well as other types of psalms. It's not comfortable to read these words, God, but even as I'm saying these things, God, I'm so aware that there's so many experiences, even in the room this morning, that are just like what David was praying. There's a lot of pain, and there's a lot of broken hearts, and there's a lot of struggles, and there's a lot of stories. And God, I want to just pray over everyone here this morning who's just carrying a heavy burden, who's just deep into whatever it is, God, in their own life, in their own experience, that it's just, it's just hard, God. Maybe something in their family, something in their past. God, in the midst of that, I pray that you would give them that open door to be able to approach you with boldness and confidence and to know that your face is turned towards them. God, however they're feeling right now, I just pray they would just there would be something deep in their spirit that would know that you haven't forgotten them, but that you are right there and you stand with them in that pain and in that grief, that you, your unfailing love still rests upon them and you hold them and you hold that situation. And God, we don't know whether that situation is going to get better or worse. We just don't have that insight. But God, we know that through it all, you are good and you are sovereign and you are for us and not against us. So God, help us to walk through these things with you and with each other. God, make us a church community that love each other. And when one of us is weak, Lord, another one may be strong. One of us can't cry out to you, Lord, another one can intercede. God, help us to be those kinds of brothers and sisters that can carry the burdens together as we seek you and cry out to you. Help us to lament well as your people, as your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.